And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to a late night edition of the Warriors All 82 podcast. I needed Nate Duncan in the building to talk mechanics of why the Warriors cannot beat the Denver Nuggets. That's seven straight Nuggets wins over the Warriors. It's a season sweep 4-0. It is two wins in Chase Center this year by the Nuggets. Where One, they were down 18 in the second half and came back. Tonight, they were down 16 in the first half. 14-0 run to close the first half. Uh, in the final 247, which completely flipped the game. Denver takes control. They win in the second half. They just just look like a better team, really. It's remarkable how much things uh, have changed, and uh, Calvin Booth deserves a, a ton of credit for how well uh, he has uh, made this happen uh, from that 2022 playoff series when the Nuggets had absolutely no prayer of stopping Golden State when it was, you know, the pool party lineup and, you know, 71 points in like, you know, 16 minutes or whatever, you know, just some of those highlights. And they were making Nikola Jokic look stupid out on the floor, like he couldn't move. They're dribbling, Steph's dribbling circles around him at the end of game five. And now they can't score on these guys. And part of that is Aaron Gordon has gotten a lot better. They got Contavious Caldwell Pope. On this team, they've got some good defenders off the bench. Obviously, Jamal Murray is back. Like, he's not an amazing defender, but he has good size. Like he's as a worst link, he's not someone that you can really attack. Better than Facundo Campazzo? Yeah, or or Austin Rivers or Monte Morris, who tried hard but was undersized. They got Michael Porter Jr. back as well. He's and he's really improved a lot defensively. And you see it when the Warriors like there isn't really that guy to attack. And, you know, I asked Michael Malone about it after the game, and he said, you know, we have special rules for the Warriors. We've just gotten better at playing against them. Jokic, I think, has gotten a lot better. Jokic, four, four steals for Jokic tonight, including this, the one I highlighted in, in what I wrote post game. But, you know, the Warriors are coming out of an ATO down five with about eight minutes left. Draymond, just, like they put Draymond in during the timeout. It feels like kind of the urgent moment of like, you know, going to their main guys, down five, eight minutes left, coming out of a timeout, go to one of the plays they love, which was a flare screen for Steph where, where Draymond passes it to him from the, uh, you know, it would have been the right wing to the left wing. And Jokic just read it. You know, he's slow, but he's smart. Uh, you know, he's, he's LeBron-level IQ. He just read one of the Warriors' actions, picks it off, and then beats Draymond on a two-on-one situation where Draymond's usually very good on those because he did like a Euro step, faked. He was going to take the floater, and he threw the lob. It was just – that was the sequence where it felt like, oh, like Denver just kind of has this game. Yeah, yeah. I think they went on a 5-0 run out of that uh, timeout. Uh, it was funny, too, because usually you're like – I would always chastise the opposing coach for taking a timeout when Steph was at the table and then Jokic was at the table and Steve took a timeout and I was, and the, that was to get Steph back in. But I was like, how do you really want Jokic coming back in? But And, and then the other one too, that uh, another ATO they were all over 
was they're trying to run a play to get Kaminga post up early third quarter on Jamal Murray. They know what's happening. So I'm like, why is Jamal Murray coming out of this timeout, like pressuring up Steph Curry full court? They knew that the what the play was. They so they just put Jamal Murray on Steph, knowing the play wasn't for Steph. And then they got KCP there to switch on to Kaminga, and Kaminga gets stoned in the post, and they end up with a you know another Pajemski. ISO air ball against Aaron Gordon, who is just like nobody can do anything against Aaron Gordon on this team. So the Nuggets, they're just locked in. Like they're a veteran team. Their defense is just so much better. I never thought that a team with Nikola Jokic at center would be able to defend the Warriors. And sure, you know, Steph Curry isn't quite the same guy. Draymond Green doesn't want to attack inside. Uh, I guess, you know, so the Warriors are not the same as they were, but the Nuggets are just so much better and I, I thought that was my big takeaway is just like you saw it in that 26 to 4 run I think it was in the previous Chase Center game where the uh you know when Jokic hit that crazy shot where they couldn't do anything uh, against the Nuggets like they just go through these crazy cold stretches against this team yeah uh I would say this would be the least appealing first round opponent for the Warriors not that the Warriors can pick and choose at this point obviously you know they 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 actually were briefly in ninth tonight uh, after the Lakers lost but they went back to 10th um but what is I don't know if you want to call it fortunate for the Warriors but you know the fact that they're probably gonna have to play out of the play-in maybe we'll see they can still get up to six maybe but it seems like the Nuggets are probably gonna be like four maybe three um, and that just doesn't really line up with where the Warriors are going to be because the Warriors will probably be coming out of like, you know, seven, maybe six, uh, if they can even play well enough. And I do want to get into bigger picture thoughts on the Warriors and what they've been lately. Um, but as far as this game goes, they're minus 23 with Draymond, which has been very rare lately. Um, I think he's plus 134 since he's been back. Uh, and then Steph Curry, you know, the, the, the two Warriors stars, best two best players, had bad games where Draymond six turnovers. Jokic was playing him for the past, as I mentioned earlier. But Steph goes six and nineteen. I believe he was five of fourteen against the Hornets, and then right before the break, he was four of fourteen against the Jazz. He did have a good game against the Lakers, mixed in there. But part of that, this ten and two run, this surge uh, that has gotten the Warriors back to respectability this year, was one of Steph Curry's best. Like. 15 games shooting stretches of his career. You know, he was seven threes a game on like 50% from three, basically. He had the 27 threes over a three-game stretch, the uh, seven first-quarter threes in Indianapolis. You know, like you name it, it was one of his most potent stretches. And that was after they had the nine-day break after Dehan, uh, you know, kind of tragically passed away. And uh, it wasn't what they wanted in the middle of the season and certainly for, not for the reason, but he did – he came back refreshed from that break physically, it seemed, and mentally. Um, and, it, you know, I know he just had the All-Star break, but Steve Kerr saying he thinks, you know, Steph's got so much responsibility during the All-Star break. Shot it poorly in the All-Star game, too, by the way. Um, but they're saying – Steve's saying he thinks Steph looks a little fatigued. Steph is saying, I'm not. I don't want to rest. But they just have a lot of games coming up. And, and if they don't get the, the really potent Steph Curry, they're, they're much more beatable. Yeah, and Steph plays 32 minutes, comes out a little bit late. Uh, they were going pretty nicely at the start of the second quarter as well. It's part of why he didn't come back in as quickly. But I also thought they just weren't didn't really put him in as much of a position to succeed tonight by setting those screens out near half court that really could maybe put Jokic into difficulty. Uh, the other reason why Steph has to work so hard these days, and this became a trend last year and it's continued, is the Warriors just are not 
nearly the same transition team that they were in the past. Like, when's the last time Draymond Green got a defensive rebound, sprinted up the floor, and found somebody in transition? Like, that used to be something that happened all the time. Just, I don't think he has, he's not that level of rebounder. He doesn't have that level of energy uh, at this point. Yeah, it's certainly not prime drama. Now, he did come back, especially with him at the five, and, and they have sped it up. That's why they're starting Pajemski partly. It's one of the seven reasons they're starting him. But he kind of pushes it, and he rebounds well for a guard. Uh, and their pace has gone up a lot more over the last month or so. And Malone mentioned in pregame, like, that's what – because somebody asked him, like, what's changed, uh, you know, that, that makes the Warriors more dangerous. And he said they're, they're playing faster. Also – Chris Paul's been out, uh, which has been a reason they've been faster, and you know that that's going to change soon. But um, yeah, generally, obviously, you're correct on that. Um, but what? Uh, how? Where? How real do you think this recent? Let's take this Denver game at. Like this wasn't a bad loss. Denver's like just better than them at this point. But but the Warriors have obviously been one of the best teams in the NBA the last. You know, three weeks, four weeks. Uh, how believable do you think this stretch is for them? Well, I think one thing that uh, Seth Partnow uh, provides in, in some of the stats that he gives us for Dunkdown Prime is record against teams that are on a 50 plus win pace. Warriors are 3 and 15 against such teams. Now, they haven't played that many of those teams since they've really had this group together since Andrew Wiggins. It, turned away from being a pumpkin back into being a real player. That was another, I think, underrated aspect that they just stopped giving him the ball at all in the second half. Uh, I thought he was really good in the first half yeah. in this game. Um, you know, so I think they have found something with Draymond, Kamingo, Wiggins to get the defense up to being at an acceptable level when there just was no way to do that before having GP back. I thought their half-court defense was actually pretty good tonight most of the way. It was just in transition they got smoked and that they just couldn't score. And so that that ended up being more of a problem. Uh, So I I think they have something there. You know, I I think Kaminga's fallen off a little bit. They got to find a way to get him going. But this is a tough matchup for him because he usually feasts against some smaller players. Denver doesn't really have that, like, one-on-one guy for him to attack necessarily. Um, So, I mean, as long as, like, Wiggins is back playing pretty well, as long I think moving Clay to the bench is good because you can kind of like when he's rolling, you can rely on him, uh, and when he's not, then you can go to some other guys. Uh, so, and they're pretty deep; like they can withstand an injury or two at this point. To everyone, maybe except Draymond or stuff. So, like I think they're playing at you know the level of like a six seed type of team, but there are ten six seed type of teams yeah. in the West, and the Warriors have spotted all those teams. Uh, a number of wins. So I think they can continue to play pretty well. Like the fact that they've been blowing out bad teams really when they just couldn't get a blowout against anybody early in the season is good. So like, I think the team's going to play quality basketball the rest of the year, but you also, it's even against a Minnesota or an OKC. I mean, clearly Denver, I don't think they have much of a chance against in, in a playoff series, but you know, against one of those other teams, like I think you would have to, like they would have a puncher's chance, but I wouldn't go much beyond that because they just there isn't that many things that they do other than Steph just going crazy that are just like such a major problem for opponents on either end. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? 
Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. So the top four in the West seem pretty secure. Uh, the Warriors are in this, they're at the bottom right now of this like muddled six-team pod where, you know, we've talked about it plenty on the podcast, but, you know, you I think if you're them, you want to at least get into the 7-8 side of the play-in. But... I, Quickly, I'm going to name the other five teams. You tell me, be as short or as long as you want on each of them. But um, if you think they like, if you like their next two months and and their their playoff threat level more than Pelicans, um, you're talking about just in in terms of like who's going to play, who's how likely they are to be ahead of the Warriors at the no, end. No, not necessarily because we'd have to look strength and schedule all that. But like you know. Do you view them as a – well, just how a playoff threat level. Like, do, do you view the Warriors as a bigger playoff threat than the Pelicans? Yeah, I think I would. I, I just – the Pels uh, – Zion just isn't quite that same guy that he has been in the past. And the Pels have a lot of depth, uh, but they, the pieces don't fit that well together. They have a lot of kind of exploitable pieces. Like, they have a lot of strengths but a lot of weaknesses as a team. So I, I would anticipate the Warriors – being a better playoff team than the Pelicans. Suns. If Bradley Beal is healthy, I think they are behind the Suns. The Suns just have too much star talent. If Bradley Beal is not healthy, then the Suns, I think, are ultimately too thin. 
Mavericks. Yeah, this Mavs team is one of the biggest anomalies to me. They had a weird loss in Indiana today, but had won seven straight before that. Um, you know, I mean, Luca is playing at an unbelievable level. Kyrie, I think, is having an underrated season when he's been healthy. And now they've kind of they've stabilized their defense by having 48 minutes of rim protection. But I do worry a little bit about their outside shooting. I think the Matt and also the, some of their guys have struggled to stay healthy. Uh, both, you know, Luca can wear down. Kyrie is an injury risk. Some of their role guys. So yeah, that that's interesting. I mean, I think. I probably like them a little bit better than the Warriors just because I think Luka is, is better than Steph at this point in a way that he wasn't two years ago. Kings. Yeah, I think I would put the Kings below the Warriors at this nice point. Nice win by the Kings in L.A. against the Clippers today. Yeah, you know, the Kings have gotten a lot of attention because they have won five games more than their point differential would indicate. They actually have a negative net rating, and they're now 10 games above 500. Um, it might be a little higher than that now after that Clippers win. But the issue uh, with the Kings is they're allowing opponents to shoot 40.7% from three, and that's going to go down. So while like they're getting unlucky in that aspect, they're maybe getting lucky in the sense that they have won a lot of close games and lost a lot of blowouts. So I think the Kings, you know, some of the projection systems, like I think ESPN's BPI projected them to go 13 and 14 the rest of the way. I think they'll be a little over 500, particularly because just more wins start to pop up as the season goes on. But I mean, the win they got tonight was one that I'm sure ESPN would have projected they lost, right? Sure. Um, and yeah, Mike Brown's obsessed with that number that that their three point defense. And he's he said during the All Star break he has changed the way they're closing out, changed the technique. So yeah, they're focused on that. Uh, Lakers are the last one. Yeah, they basically had two different teams this year. Yeah. Like they have an offensive team now that is scoring at like the best rate in Lakers history again in a higher offensive environment than we've ever seen. But they don't really have many good defenders available other than Anthony Davis. So it, it seems tough for me to see how they can put together a group that's going to be really good on either end. And then also LeBron James is kind of uh, has been struggling with this ankle issue. They've had a bunch of other injuries. AD has been durable this year, but could break down at any time. So I, I think I probably, you know, it's it's tough to say for me which of the which Warriors or Lakers. Like the Lakers are, I I feel a little bit better about the Warriors' consistency and formula, maybe. But that that's kind of a toss up. And health, I mean, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Warriors need to hop two of those teams to get into the 7-8 side of the play. And I view the Lakers, and I would say the Kings, but again, the Kings, like, you know, they get a nice win tonight. They, yeah, we'll see. Um, what I'm just going to hit you with some some quick topics on this Warriors team. Uh, what do you think of Pajemski? Yeah, I've liked him since uh, Summer League, even though, like, he got a lot of press for having a bad Summer League. I'm like, no, this guy knows how to play for sure. You know, I think he can be trusted to hit an open three. Please, God, don't – like, he just ends up with the ball late in the clock for some reason all the time, and he can't create anything in an isolation uh, against, like, any kind of a, a defender with length. Uh, his defense, I think, has been very solid. Even when he was on Jamal Murray a couple of times, he did okay. And then a, as a help defender and rebounder, I think that's another – one of those seven reasons you said, you know, the fact that he can actually get a rebound, which Clay doesn't. 
uh, really helps given how small they are. I mean, Wiggins, Kaminga, like those guys aren't great rebounders. Yeah. Neither is Draymond. Like he's the best rebounder maybe other than Looney on the whole team. I know. It's crazy. Or, or <laughs> TJT maybe the other one. But it's it's Pro- remarkable. It really is. Um, Kaminga, you mentioned it. He's kind of slowed a little bit lately. Maybe it's the league, you know, scouting him a little bit more. He's higher on, on reports. They're loading up a bit more. You know, just getting a little, going a little bit colder. Um, where are you on him as he enters one of the more important stretches of his career coming up, especially with the extension eligibility this summer? Yeah, I think they need to continue to run plays for him to get him involved. I think they honestly should have been doing that even last year more to get him against smaller players. I think he's someone who thrives more against bad defenses, bad defenders teams that don't have a, a ton of rim production. I think he's been making the right pass more even, you know, it's one thing to just be able to like throw it to a guy when you're just standing on the perimeter. It's another thing to be able to drive, react to what the defense is doing and find someone. I thought he's been okay there. Still want to see more rebounding and defensive playmaking from him. Obviously, one-on-one, he's totally fine as, as a defender, but you, you want to feel him in the way you would feel like an Aaron Gordon yeah. defensively for the Nuggets and Aaron Gordon's a guy who has kind of started his career much as Kaminga did, and I, I think you know kind of grew into that player. I think the hope is that Kaminga can do the same. Okay, they have their established now starting five, uh, which which moves Clay Thompson to the bench. Um, you're assuming obviously Clay Thompson's going to maintain. He played the second most minutes tonight, which he noted post game. He's like, I played the second most minutes uh, as he's talking about adjusting to this new role. But th- those are six <clears throat> there. Um, after those six, as we as as the Warriors pare down and try to script out a potential playoff rotation, or you know, not even playoff rotation, but like big late game regular season night. Let's say the, the, it's a nine man rotation. Like, what do you think the pecking order should be? Maybe it's a little bit matchup dependent, but but you know they're deep. Let's assume Chris Paul's back. Like as you go seven, eight, nine down the roster, like like who should be prioritized? Yeah, well, I definitely think just having the two wings out there as much as possible just need needs to happen. I uh, mean, that being Kaminga yeah. and, and Wiggins, and well, and so that then impacts yeah. lower down if those guys are going to play more minutes. I mean, you just need guys guys who can guard with versatility. I mean, there's three guys on this team who can guard the ball, and it's Kaminga, Wiggins, and Gary Payton the second. Draymond, I know, like maybe not like a Jamal Murray type, but, you know, Draymond, you would loop into that. Well, sure, he can switch on it, but when I say guard the ball, like a you are going to put him on one of the primary offensive threats for the other team, and any team that you're going up against that's any good is going to have two of those guys, so you need to have in theory, two of those guys in the lineup you know, all the time. Well, you know who they actually kind of like on ball, and you've seen it lately, but it's Lester Quinones, uh, who they've been having press full court at times, putting on those guys. He has leaped Moses Moody uh, currently in the in the rotation pecking order, uh, and, and it's really because of lateral speed uh, and quickness defensively and ability to hit a shot and play make a, a tiny bit. Um, but okay, let's so so Gary. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, people are pissed off that he plays over Moses Moody, but like, let's keep in mind. Uh, I think Moses Moody might make a better fourth man than Lester Quinones, but they have fourth men who are better than Moses Moody. Like Lester Quinones can guard Jamal Murray. You put Moses Moody on Jamal Murray and have him try to get over a screen, and he can't do it. And Quinones isn't like an amazing 
guy there, but he's at least willing to be an irritant. Like his effort level is palpable out there. And Moody is kind of slow afoot. I mean, he's really almost more of a small forward defensively than a shooting guard or, or able to defend ones. And I don't think that, you know, Moody is a better driver than Quinones and he's bigger. He'll get some more offense. I don't know that he's that much better of just a spot up shooter. So for the role that's needed, uh, this weakness on this team, like it does make more sense of King Jonas out there, I think, than Moody, even if Moody is obviously the superior prospect yeah. going forward. Yeah, it's a good way to put it. Um, what would you do with the big man spot? What would you actually, Chris Paul, he's about to come back. Um, he's Steve Kerr said it's not, he's going to play all the non Steph minutes um, and, you know, some minutes with Steph. That's going to impact, you know, other people, Quinones' minutes are probably, you know, going to get eliminated. Really, if, if it's a if it's a full rotation, Pajemski's might get shaved down. Clay's. Uh, what do you think about Paul's reintegration? Yeah, I I mean, I didn't quite answer your question about you know, kind of spots six through through nine, but and I think it just it has to be based on how well guys are playing. Like, is Chris Paul going to come back off this break and like actually going to make that mid ranger? Or is he going to be a guy who just doesn't do anything other than dribble the ball up, throw it to guys coming off a pin down, fight some defensively in the post, and like shoot wide open spot up threes and that it? Like if he can actually run, pick and roll, get TJD involved, get him some dunks, I assume that's going to be the pairing. Hopefully we'll never have to see Paul and Looney playing together again, which was like the combo a lot early on. Uh, and like, can that help Chris Paul be effective and be, you know, the guy who's more than a caretaker, someone who's actually, you know, is like your number one guy organizing the offense and is enough of a scoring threat uh, to, and is getting guys dunks under the basket from someone who actually can dunk. I think actually getting Kaminga in there with him as well could be very useful. Uh, also, Kaminga or Sarge, they like Sar- him paired with Sarge going back to his Phoenix days, and I think they are going to do that with the second unit that will include Clay because they like Clay with Trace, they like Clay with with Chris Paul. Um, but would you would you prioritize more Kaminga minutes in that lineup or or Sarge as this mini rotation piece, which Steve has has preferred? Yeah, I think you have to play around. I think Sarge is the superior shooter, and but like if you're going to have him space, then that chemistry between Paul and him is like Sharge kind of ducking in uh, to generate uh, missed layups along with Pichumski. Like those guys, those guys, uh, they generate a lot of layups and they miss a lot of layups. Um, so, yeah, I think it just depends how CP is going to play. Yeah, and, I mean, it really seems like it's him or Pajemski in the closing group or Clay, as you guys noted on your pod later or earlier this week, uh, that it's kind of down to one of those three guys. I could see Kaminga in some circumstances uh, if he's not playing well, getting replaced by clay or, or CP or whatever. Um, but yeah, just like, like they were been very good with Chris Paul as the point guard out there. Uh, and so that's like, that needs to be respected. And we'll just see, you know, if he's clanking every jumper off the front rim, then, you know, he probably does have to have his role minimized into just a pure Steph backup kind of role. Sure. He'll love that. Um, last one, the big man spot. He's 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 really rotating a lot of center minutes in there. He's given Looney the kind of the close of the first quarter and third quarter. Trace Jackson Davis is part of like the second fourth quarters. Um, they do different things tonight. You know they they wanted to get Looney some time guarding Jokic, um, and sh- 
you know, if they play the Kings, they'll, they love to get a loony on Sabonis. Um, but what would you do with the big man spot? Would you just, would you, I guess, would you think about DMPing Looney and would you think about just kind of uh, giving a longer runway to, to TJD, who is the prospect that, you know, they, they, they think has a future? Yeah, I think I would unless there is like a post threat who needs to be guarded or unless you're kind of getting smoked on the glass uh, because Looney does really struggle so much offensively and and he's such a bad fit with Paul. If you're going to play Paul... If, if Steph's current rotation is, you know, he's going out with three minutes left in the first and coming back in with like seven minutes left in in the second, then like Chris Paul is playing all those minutes and he's a really bad fit with Looney unless you're in a circumstance where there's a Sabonis or a Jokic and, you know, TJD is going to fall out in three seconds trying to guard one of those guys. But I mean, I might even try TJD in that circumstance and he fouls a couple times, then you have Looney available to come in and kind of be steady i just the biggest thing about looney even more than the offense to me that's made it difficult to play him is like i think he's really declined as a rim protector he used to actually be pretty solid there and now you know he doesn't really seem to have as much of an effect as well so it's really only the rebounding and the post defense that he's providing and you know screening at, say at screen is this you kidding me? yeah well off off the ball but i mean generally he's just i mean we saw this at the end of the first and third quarter he just created an instant double team on whoever he was trying to screen for even off the ball and he can't roll to the basket and finish the way tjd can that's why they like that uh clay and tjd group so yeah i probably would be minimizing looney into more of a matchup dependent guy all right that'll do it that'll finish the breakdown nate duncan we just we, we went through the roster we went through the rotation we went through their biggest rivals right now in the west and and, and playoff seating is there any lasting finishing closing thoughts either on the warriors or i don't know you know you, pro, you promote your own podcast whatever you have the floor yeah well uh, of course uh, actually the thing i want to promote is our broadcast on nba league pass the nba strategy stream we're doing nick's pistons to tomorrow night but uh we've some, sure why not that we have some some better fare so basically once a week on nba league pass you just click on it the nba strategy stream is one of the feeds that will pop up and uh yeah let's, any, let's, any warriors games on the schedule before the year's out i think we've done a couple already i don't think we have another one coming up uh well if you want to watch some knicks pistons on monday what if, if you're in the bay area monday late afternoon 4 or 5 p.m tip i'm sure uh put on put on the strategy stream you can hear more of this uh intellectual breakdown so nate thank you for coming on the podcast all right let's get a burrito